invite you to get out of your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 23. We're in a series in that book of beginnings, uh, Genesis. And this morning, we're going to be looking at life happens. Have you discovered that to be true in your life? <laughs> that uh, things uh, just seem uh, to go on and on and on. And uh, there are a variety of experiences you'll have in life. Some are, are radical in nature. I mean, it's just uh, it's something that's that's just amazing. And then some things are rather routine. Some things are tender and some things are tragic. And as I was looking at the text we're looking at this morning, I almost invited, I almost entitled this passage, The Boring Chapter, uh, because I was wondering why in the world did, did God take the time of all the things he had recorded, and this was uh, brought to us by Moses, inspired by God, why, why did he record chapter 23? Because in many ways, all it is is a, or the main emphasis is a purchase, I know we're in the purchasing season, the, the month of December, where people are purchasing gifts uh, for friends and family. And basically what we have in Genesis chapter 23 is a purchase. But I think for, if we look at it from its larger perspective, we'll, we'll see some things that we can kind of draw out of it that will give us some practical points in terms of a living life as life happens. And I think it is important to realize as we go through life, there are the there are high points and the low points. But quite frankly, most of the points are the ones in between, Right. They are the everyday things. It's the, it's the getting up in the morning, preparing breakfast, and then whatever tasks you have to do, do that task, and you have lunch, and then you have another task, and then you have dinner, and then you go, now what do we do? And, and you're, you're moving from one point to another point, and you don't always have these dramatic experiences happening in life. Well, we see some of that in Genesis chapter 23. And as, as I was thinking about that... Uh, one of the things that we have every, every day, not only the three meals or how many, however many times you eat, but we all have uh, that wake-up time. We, we eventually get up in the morning. Whether you are a late sleeper or an early riser, we have that uh, early adventure of starting the day. Now, I'm going to confess a sin to you. You know, communion time is a good time to confess sins. But if you have your Bibles, if you've got a finger in Genesis 23, turn over to Proverbs chapter 27. And I want to share with you a verse that I off, or a, a sin I often commit that's identified very clearly in God's word. Proverbs 27, 14. And I don't think I'll ever have you memorize this as a verse for the month because it would be too convicting for me. But here's what it says. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. I've committed that sin many, many times. When I wake up, I'm ready to go. I don't have to have a cup of coffee. I don't need any, any um, caffeine. I'm just ready to go and roll. And I don't understand why everybody else is not that way as well. I want to get everybody up. I want to talk loudly. And I want to move quickly. Um, and, and God's word says, you know, life happens. And sometimes it happens differently to you than it is to other people. Anybody want to say amen to that? Some people are night owls, some people are early risers, and some people are both, all right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean just because you're, that, you're one way, everybody else has to be that way. And so that, that's, uh, that's true. And so as we think about life happening, this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at some everyday experiences in life and just see how Abraham, who was called a friend of God, in fact, I think he's the only one in the Old Testament called a friend of God, how he had to move through life as life happens. I tried to share with you last week that God primarily does not speak to us. He writes to us. We've got a big book in here. It's got plenty of words in it, plenty of things that we don't completely understand, plenty of things we haven't yet applied yet. In fact, for most of us, 
we've learned a lot more than we've put into practice. And so God doesn't need to say anything new to us because we haven't, we haven't applied the old stuff he's told to us. Now, it doesn't mean God can't speak to us, but normally what God does is he directs us out of his word. Now, also I want to emphasize that that was true not only for us, uh, but it's true for them as well. There were very few people that we, that's recorded in either the Old Testament or New Testament that God directly spoke to them. And even the ones he spoke to, he didn't speak to them all the time. There were huge gaps, apparently, between when he would reveal something to them. And then they were to live like we do, live by faith in the things we've already heard. Does that make sense? Okay, so what we have in Genesis chapter 23, and I've kind of shared this every week. Before Genesis chapter 23, there's Genesis chapter 22 is always the one before that. And if you remember the one before that, we try to paint it, at least part of it, that this was this is one of those pinnacle things in the, in the word of God. This was this was a look at Easter in the Old Testament. You had the picture of Abraham offering up Isaac and it was just like our heavenly father offering uh, offer, offering up his his son Jesus for us. And so it doesn't get any better than Genesis chapter 22. Some people I've read said that's in the top five chapters of the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 22. But after chapter 22 comes chapter, you guys are right with me this morning. We're in chapter 23, and what we have here is not quite that. It's life happening. Now, when life happens, you know, what should we do as it happens? And what I want to do is give you some simple things to think about as we we look at life and uh, how it's lived out and lived out by faith. If somehow we think that, that life is lived... Sometimes as I, or most of the time when I get up in the morning, all, you know, all just excited about everything that's going to happen. And then the rest of the day is much more, more kind of downhill from there is, you know, I start really well. And sometimes what I'm anticipating doesn't happen. Well, life is not filled with energized, amazing activities every day. And so what we see this morning is a person living by faith, by just keeping in touch with things God wants them to keep in touch with. Now, I said I'm going to talk about Genesis 23, but we're going to, we're going to look at a latter, the latter part of Genesis chapter 22. So if you have that text, look at Genesis 22, and I'm going to read a section of God's word I'm sure is going to really bless you in tremendous ways. Look at verse 20. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, can you imagine naming a kid Buzz? Now, I've heard I've had friends who, whose nicknames are Buzz, but they weren't given that name. OK, Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kimuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidraph. I guess I'd rather have Buzz as a name <laughs> and Bethuel and Bethuel begot Rebecca. These eight Milka boarded Nahor and Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was Reuma, also bored Teba, Gaham, Thahash and Mecca. May God add his blessing to his word. Now you're thinking, God, did you did you have to waste the papyrus to put that down? Why in the world is that recorded? Why is that recorded? Because life what happens. And when life happens, what are some things we ought to do when life happens? Let me let me throw this out to begin with. You need to keep in touch with your family. Because basically that's what we have here. It says it's been told Abraham. And it wasn't from the Lord. It wasn't from an angel. It was probably from people on some kind of a journey or caravan from his homeland that was coming through. And Abraham must have been looking for 
this caravan or looking for people that might be from his homeland. And he probably asked, tell me something about my family. You mind if I submit to you that, that that's important to God, that we keep in touch with our family. Now, we know in the New Testament, because we kind of emphasize this at Grace Hills Church, there's a word in the New Testament for your family or your extended household or your relational word. It begins with the letter O, and it's the word, what? Oikos. And, and really what God wants us to do is those people that are in our relational world, we need to keep in touch with them. And I guess you could say if you don't keep in touch with them, they're not going to be in your relational world. And the family that God has given you, that's the only family you're going to get. I mean, you can marry that your family can extend. And those friends of yours that are special to you, they, they, they can be cultured. They can be, they can be developed. They can be encouraged. They can be um, uh, made stronger in your connection with them. Or, or they, all those things can be weakened. And it amazes me as I was looking at this text, I was thinking, what do I, you know, do I just skip that? And we're not going to necessarily read every verse, but I want to talk about all the verses. But I think it's significant here because what we have here is Abraham keeping in touch with people. It's quite probable he hadn't seen for 60 years. Now, we have a phrase in our culture, uh, absent. Gross colder. That was not the one I wanted. Now, what was the one I wanted? I've already forgotten it. Um, uh, out of sight, out of mind. That was <laughs> the other one was good too, but that wasn't related to my message. All right, out of sight, out of mind. Well, they were out of sight for possibly sixty years, and, and so for them not to be out of mind, and should we go a little bit lower, out of heart? He need, it, it all began with him to, with a desire to keep in touch, to keep in touch with his oikos, his relational world, his extended family. And they really did use family beyond the blood relatives. But much of what we have recorded here is his relatives. Now, what do you, what do, you do in keeping in touch? And I threw three things out, and we'll talk about a couple of them. When you're keeping in touch, number one, know what's going on. If you look at the account in there in Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 24, which you just read, you found out, well, who's giving birth to who? You know, what kind of relationships are going on? What, what are you naming your kids? Right? And so he began to get information. When you keep in touch, find out what's going on. But I would submit this. There's a couple other things you can do in keeping in touch with people. Honor people. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, there's a specific group of people that are supposed to honor a specific group of people, particularly when the family. It talks about children are to obey their parents, but then it goes on and says to honor your, your father and your mother, right? And it gives kind of a motivation that if you want your life to go well and to go long, you better honor your parents because they can take you out real quick. <laughs> but really what he was saying here, I think it was a larger picture. When we honor someone, we show them value. Now, we can't honor everything a person does because not what everything a person does is honorable. But the person that we are honoring has value in themselves, number one, because they were created in God's image. Number one, two, they have some role in your life. And number three, they are a person that Jesus died for. And I also think that God wants us to honor people. And in Romans 12, it also talks we ought to honor those whom honor is due. So there's a larger perspective of that. It's basically keeping in touch with people and showing them value because people value are valuable to God. And so as we think about doing life, we need to keep in touch with people if you want to make it more generic. Keep in touch with family. 
knowing what's going on, and then showing them value. Wouldn't that be a great reputation for God's people is that we value other people? And I think also when we do that, it, it points out that there's some who needs, there is a person in this universe who's deserving of supreme value, and that's our Heavenly Father. Our parents brought us into the world even if they took off or were, were forced to take off. Um, there are adoptive children, but you place value on people who bring, in, bring you into this life, and who more than anyone else brought us into this life is our Heavenly Father. So know what's going on, honor them, and love and pray for them. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 44, it says this, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now let's be honest, sometimes that's people in your own family who do, have done despicable things to you or to loved ones. And, and, and you're probably thinking, I could never like those people. Well, you can't like them, but you might be able to love them. And the way you love them is pray for them. Pray that God would intervene in their lives. Keep in touch with people. I was reading this past week just a, a, a family article, and it was value options. And, it, and it's so obvious. When recurring arguments and conflict happen between people in the family, what happens? Uh, there's a preoccupation or distraction from activities in every other part of their life. If you don't get relationships right or do your part in making relationships right, it'll affect everything else you do. What happens if you have a lack of communication? What will happen? It'll result in frustration and anger. So don't wait for the other person to communicate. You communicate. How about, how about this? Sometimes there are inappropriate kinds of communication. People yelling, screaming, saying all kinds of words of of. of hurt and pain and criticism, what will happen to that? Then there'll be a withdrawal. And what, is, what happens when, when stress is high in a home? Then the child either will run away either physically or emotionally, or there'll be a separation between people, even adults within the family. And, and so as we think about keeping in touch, it all begins with desiring to know, valuing or honoring those within the relational world that you have. And then loving and praying for them, even when at times they don't deserve it. But if you pray for people, God will give you a heart for what you can do to impact that person in a positive way. So when life happens, what should you do? Number one, I would submit, keep in touch. Keep in touch with family. Secondly, and this this message is given to you by the letter F, um, keep in touch with your feelings. Look what the first two verses in Genesis 23 tell us. Sarah lived 127 years. And interesting enough, in case you would wonder if, if, um, if you were in the Bible, would the Bible be telling, you, telling your age to everyone before you wanted them to know? Anybody, anybody out there not want people to know their age? So you don't mind if I tell people right now what your age is because I've looked at your birth? No, okay. Is, uh, Sarah, as far as we know, is the only one, only woman whose age is designated in the um, in the Bible, as far as at her death. So we know something about her that we don't know about. Anybody else, any, any woman in the Bible, she was 127 years of age when she died. It goes on, verse 2. So Sarah died in Kirtha Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. 
So the very profound thought I had here is not only should we keep in touch with family, we ought to keep in touch with our feelings because Abraham, a man of faith, a friend of God, was open and um, willing to share what his heart was all about. And at that point, his heart was broken and he wept and he mourned openly. Now, now personally, I'm all against about men crying, particularly in public and at church. So that should never, ever happen. You know, you know, there, you know when, we, when we try to suppress what God is doing in our heart, and I, I actually I try to do that all the time. You know, we're just fighting what God has put in our heart. And, and, and I think also when we, we aren't willing to, to be honest about our feelings, then we can't then be open to having others minister to us in time of need. And when Abraham lost his wife, he didn't lose her, he knew where she was, at 127 years of age, that, that marriage that was, that was 60 years in the, in the promised land, and we don't know really what the, the whole, at least I don't remember what, when they actually got together, but it was at least 60 years in the promised land. This, this was his soulmate, and he was hurting deeply. And it's all right when you lose loved ones to be pierced to the heart. I was reading some things this past week, one from Abraham Lincoln. This is what he said about sorrow. He said, sorrow comes to all. Perfect relief is not is not perfect. Relief is not possible except with time. You cannot now realize that you will ever feel better. And yet you are sure to be happy again. Now, what is he saying there? He's not saying that the sorrow will ever go completely away. But the intense pain that is now after time God, because of his graciousness, will lessen that. I, I like what Lord Tennyson wrote about, about pain. He said this, I hold it true, whatever befall, I feel it when I, when I sorrow most. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have what? Loved at all. See, the, the only way to get away from grief and sorrow and the tears of life is never care about anything. And so as we think about life happening, God, God's aware of what's going on. And, and so we, we don't have to put up a strong front. We don't have to put up a wall. We don't have to uh, refuse to share the pain with others. We just need to be honest with it and then give it to him. There are times of great sorrow. Shadi has had that as, as her son was killed in a tragic car crash. And the thing that struck me more, she said she began praying for the mother of the the young man who caused that accident to happen. See, that's, that's not denying her emotional pain, but now identifying with someone else. And see, when we do that, then we're open to be used of God as well. Interesting enough, this is the first time that the tears of a man is ever recorded in the Bible with Abraham. And, and so what are some things we could do with that? Just... just Looking at some fill in the blanks there. Number one, mourn and weep for loved ones. And we've looked at that through Abraham. Secondly, is be like Jesus. Uh, really, that, hopefully that's the whole desire of all of you here, that you want to be like Jesus. And how can I be like Jesus? Well, there's all kinds of ways. But one way is to be honest about your feelings. Keep in touch with them. The favorite verse, memory verse for, for anyone who wants to kind of put another verse on their, on their belt is John eleven thirty five because at least in the, in the English, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus... Wept, okay? You now have a verse memorized, right? John eleven thirty six 36 gives a commentary on that. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Why did he weep? Because he had love in his heart. 
I've read a lot of people debating what, what, they, what he meant by that or whether their observation was accurate. But I'm convinced that Jesus did love Lazarus and, he, and his heart was broken at the heart suffering of others. So why, why be, be in touch with your feelings? Number one is there's some pretty good examples in the Old Testament who did that, mourn and weep for loved ones. Second, you're like Jesus when you do that. It wasn't Jesus called the, the man of uh, sorrows and, and grief in Isaiah 53? And so we need to recognize that Jesus, when he was here, and I think still is, uh, emotionally charged, you know, from a human perspective for what goes on in life. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there's a time to weep and a time to mourn. Interesting enough, I was, we won't turn to it, but in Isaiah chapter, um, no, Isaiah, Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, you can look that up later, we see Isaac still mourning for his mother, uh, even at at uh, his marriage to Rebecca, and that she began to fill that hole that was in his heart. So there's a, there's a time um, to be in touch with your feelings and a time to be open so that you can be ministered to by others and you can then minister to others as well. So what should you do when life happens? Keep in touch with your family. Keep in touch with your feelings. Thirdly, thirdly keep in touch with your finances. That really, this is the guts of the story. In fact, I'm just going to paraphrase it here. In Genesis chapter 3 through Basically, 18, you have Abraham carrying on a conversation. He goes, well, reading this verse 3. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Uh, I guess the, the, the physical remains of Sarah is right before him. Obviously, he wanted to put in a place of honor and remembrance, but he didn't want to write in front of her. So he wanted to have a field or a cave to put in. But when he asked them to give it, if you read the entire story, he wasn't asking for a gift. He was asking for a purchase price for a field in which he could now bury his beloved wife. And it's interesting. They had this argument where they said, no, no, we'll just give it to you. No, I want to buy it. No, no, we'll just give it to you. No, I want to buy it. Well, no, what's that to us? We'll just give it to you. No, I want to buy it. Now, without trying to overanalyze this, we need to recognize we need to keep in touch with our finances and what I want to put as a simple point is that we need to be willing to pay for what we need. At this point, and I think there's a larger picture here, is that, that what Abraham needed was not only a place of burial for, for, for Sarah, but also for his family that was to be. We, we find out later that Abraham is buried in that same plot. That we also find out that Isaac and Rebekah are buried in that same plot. We find also that Jacob and Leah are buried in that same spot. And it was also that foothold into that land in which God had promised. God wanted him to have a deed for that land. And so he was, he was to pay for what he needed at that time. Now, we know also there are other particular practices as well. We need to pay for our taxes. Interesting enough, and I didn't even share this in the first service, but they could have, they could have just sold him a cave, but they sold him a field in which the cave was. And part of that larger price, because that was a pretty expensive uh, piece of land, 400 shekels of silver. I mean, I was reading some places where they should, some places you could buy for four and some places you could buy for 40. And this was 400 shekels is that with that kind of purchase of land, he would now be responsible, certain feudal responsibilities and paying of taxes. And that has always been the truth. As we live in, in this world, as life happens, we can guarantee unless Jesus returns that death's going to happen. And what else is going to happen? Taxes. And of course, that's what Jesus dealt with in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Um, 
Well, just reading it real quickly. Then they, they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And of course, they did not want to pay taxes, but they realized they could put him in bind because they know they needed to have to. Would he somehow try to um, circumvent that responsibility in life? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And so those, those things that we have responsibility of life to do, that, that we are responsible to do. And God's people need to be honest and above board and be faithful to, 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 to paying that which we owe to the government, even though at times we don't like what it's, where it's going or the amount it's, that we're being given to and whatever we can do at times to evade or avoid taxes without being criminal, that's all right as well. But what we are required to pay, that we need to pay. Did you read this past week that I guess the largest Powerball lottery um, was awarded? $587.5 million? I guess the, uh, the family in Missouri has their winning ticket. and they, I guess they know there's another winning ticket, and it's in Arizona. And the last thing I had read, the Arizona ticket did not, uh, person did not come in with it. Were any of you traveling in Arizona recently? I want to get your tithe this next week. No. Okay. But it's interesting as you read about that. I mean, isn't it? If you look at taxes, it's just amazing. Okay. And even as you look at the lottery, $587.5 million, I thought this was fascinating. Now, if you, if you take it in a lump sum, you don't get 587. You only get 300, what was it? 300 and... 85 million so that right off the top they take basically 200 million off of it you take a lump sum now you get the whole thing if you take the whole whole sum but the problem that is it looks like taxes are going up so you might not want to do it then because the taxes will be higher and then so people say and you could also not be able to invest it so they say a lot of times people take the lump sum but if you take a lump sum first of all you lose 200 million right off the top then yeah, you realize the federal government wants it, and that's at 35 percent rate and so they they're going to take um what was it they, they were saying? They'll take around $65 million right off the top of that. And then the, the state you're living in will want to take off probably another $10 million off that. And so you're, gonna, you're still going to have a lot of money. I mean, you're not going to be poor, but you're going to have basically a, about 114 to $117 million, depending on what, what state you take in, out of that total of 587.5 that you thought you were going to have in the beginning. And much of that was taxed. Now, the sad thing, and this is what's important about keeping in touch with finances, is not only pay what you owe, but just make sure you know what you have. And many people begin, in fact, it's amazing the statistics of people who win the lottery. Many of them become what? Bankrupt. They not only lose it, they lose more than what the it was. And now they owe more than they have. And so when... Abraham went out to buy that land. He bought the land, and he had enough money to buy that land. He had the 400 shekels. Otherwise, he would have to buy a, a cheaper piece of land, but he was able to get what was needed. And then the other th- fill in the blank there is we need to recognize, pay what you owe. In Romans 13a, we, we shouldn't owe anybody anything but love, and that's a challenge there. All right, finally, as, we, as, as life happens... And, and this, is, this is the in-between stuff. It's not the pinnacle. It's not the, the, the lowest of lows. When life just happens, we need to keep in touch with family. We need to keep in, t- keep in touch with feelings. We need to keep in touch with finances. But even more important, we need to keep in touch with the future. And, and I've already kind of implied this as well. But in, in verse 
uh, 19.20, as this chapter concludes, it says this. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. He secured his future for his family where other family members actually were buried in that plot because that plant was not just a gift that someone else could take back, but it was his land uh, clear and free. And, and there's some things that we need to establish that, that we know this is in our future. I was, I was reading some articles about future. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. They, even the Wikipedia, they, they, they have some things about future, and they define future as that which you know is going to happen uh, in, in, the, in the next time age. And, and they talked about, in a linear way, they call it, they call it uh, uh, what did they call it? They call, call it examine time that is set. In selected relativity, they call it absolute time in the future. And then the, in the physics, they call it the fourth dimension. But anyway, there, there are people that think that there's going ha- to be a tomorrow and, that, and something after tomorrow, even in the natural realm. But we know from God that there is going to be a future. The issue is, where are we going to be in the future? You know, the psalmist said this, and I would say this to, to us all. We not only need to secure what happens next, and we need to make a reservation for what happens next. And, and we know that Jesus is preparing a place for us that know him. And there's a select place for those who, who are in, in his plan. But we need to decide where we want to go. Would, would it be saying too much that the only people who are going to get to heaven are the people who want, want to go there? Would that be saying too much? I, I, if someone does not want to go to heaven, I would submit to you they're not going to get there. Is, is that too profound a thought? I mean, I mean, there are plenty of people in this world that, that, that are, they aren't angry at God. They're just indifferent about God. And, and they, they, it's not a great passion of, and desire of their heart to know in a personal way. And I would submit to you, their first step is that they've got to decide what they want. Is this all you want that you see around you? You want to just live for now and not the future? You care about the future at all? Because really, the first step for anyone to get help is to recognize their need. The reason Jesus only healed sick people who came to them was that, number one, they knew they were sick, and number two, they thought he could, he could help them. And the people who... who who were sick but didn't think they were sick, they never got healed by Jesus. Why? Because they didn't come to Jesus. And the reason they didn't come to Jesus is because they saw no need to come to Jesus. They didn't want to come to Jesus. I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that that will I seek. I always get, I always get uh, you're struck by anytime someone says, this is the one thing I want. Well, what's the one thing I want? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. What should we do as life happens? We need to, we need to take, keep touch with our future. What do we want in our future? For David, he, he, he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. In Psalm 23, he, t- he tells us how long he wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. So as life happens, and life's going to happen to us this week, and there might be some highs, there might be some lows, there might be a lot of in-betweens. The issue is, are we keeping in touch? Are, are we keeping in touch with people that, 
that God sees with extreme value that in our relational world, and we'll call them our family, are we keeping in touch with our oikos? Are we keeping in touch with, with our family? Number one, are, are we honest and are we in touch with our feelings? Are we, are we trying to suppress that what's going on? And when we suppress what's going on, we can't help others and people can't help us. Are we keeping in touch with our finances? I mean, are, are we investing in that which is something that we need to invest in and paying that which we owe and are responsible for? But probably more than anything else, are we in keeping in touch with our future? Do, do we know what's going to happen next? Have we sent that reservation? Do we want to be where Jesus is? Uh, this is life as it happens. And we never know when the end of our days will be, but we can know for sure where we're going to spend eternity if we're in touch with our future. Let's pray. Father, if there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know you in a personal way, I just invite them to make that step, to admit their need and, and turn from their sin, that which breaks your heart. Why they believe that Jesus fully pays the penalty for our sins and, and rose again to prove that forgiveness is found in him. And might they commit to follow Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior and just submit themselves to you, saying, Lord, I, I want to know you. Come into my life, forgive me my sins, and make me a new person on the inside. Father, as, as life happens, might we run to the person who, who can only give life and life that lasts forever. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, a hymn unto the Lord. And if you'd like to talk with another, we invite you to come as we sing.